0: Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting Motley Fool Answers. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for, so you can hire the right person fast. Find the right person with LinkedIn Jobs. Get $50 off your first job post at LinkedIn.com/Fool. This is Motley Fool Answers. I'm Allison Southwick, and I'm joined, as always, by Bibbidi Bobbidi Bro, Camp personal finance expert here at the Motley Fool.
1: A scooby dooby doo to YouTube.
0: In this week's episode, we're also joined by Dayana Yoakum of Her Money. Hey there. Oh, hi. We're going to talk about financial infidelity. Is it really as bad as good old fashioned infidelity?
1: All that and more on this
0: week's episode of Molly Full Answers.
1: So, bro, what's up? Well, in the last episode, we talked about how stocks and rates were falling and how the 10 year Treasury and the 30 year Treasury were hitting lows that they had never seen before. Well, since then, stocks have just kept falling, and so have rates. So, for the first time ever, the 10-year Treasury dipped below 1%. Last week, we talked about how the 30-year mortgage rate was close to an all-time low. Well, as of today, it is now officially all-time low. According to Freddie Mac, 3.2% on the 30-year mortgage. Whoa! Crazy. Crazy. Um, So, you'll have seen more and more articles about how now is the time to refinance. Uh, And it could make sense, because according to Bankrate, the average rate on a current mortgage is 4.4%. So, clearly, if you're paying 4.4%, you're going to make some money if you refinance, as long as you're in the house for a few years, because you do have to pay some money to do it. Generally, 3 to 6% the value of the mortgage for the appraisal and the loan origination fees. Title insurance, you have to get that again, believe it or not. Um, so, you do have to plan on being there a while. Makes sense. That said, As I look through articles, and Twitter, and Facebook, and people saying, like, hey, I refinanced my mortgage, lowered my payment by $400 a month, awesome. It seems like people aren't appreciating the fact that what they're doing is often exchanging a loan that maybe only has 25 years left, and now taking on a loan that is now 30 years. So, you have to do a little bit of adjusting there to make that apples-to-apples comparison. So, the only way to do it that I've found is just go to a mortgage calculator online. Most will calculate things, like if you put in the principal, put in interest rate, so on and so forth, but then also say, do you want to pay it off sooner? And you just put in some random amount. So, let's say you have 25 years left on your mortgage, you're going to refinance. You use that calculator, you just fiddle around, maybe put in an extra $200 a month, extra $300 a month, until you get that new mortgage. Down to 25 years, because that's the real apples to apples comparison. Um, another reason by, why you might want to do this, by the way, is if you're paying private mortgage insurance. You don't have to re- refinance in many situations to get rid of that, but some loans you do. So the only way to get rid of PMI is to refinance, like if you have an FHA loan. So that's another reason to consider it. The other thing, though, that I would point out is that many people are looking at this as an example to take money out of their house. So they're refinancing, and they'll—they will always be asked by the mortgage broker, "You want an extra ten, five, twenty thousand dollars? Have you been thinking of redoing a bathroom or something? Now's a great time to do it." Resist that temptation, if you can, unless you're planning to do it already, or and it makes sense for you. <laughs> but is that your
0: Rick caveat? <laughs> your Rick Rick's caveat? looking to renovate his kitchen, huh? Yeah. Is that looking pretty tempting, Rick.
1: Well, I did refi, but I didn't take any cash out to do the kitchen.
0: Good for you. Yeah. I sold
1: stock instead. Good for you! Right at the top, at least, sure. <laughs> as long as you did it like a month ago. Yep. Uh, okay, so that's the the one thing for the WhatsApp bro. And I have just one other short thing. And this comes from Dan and Scott from 403 bysorg who were on our show in October. Those are the guys who are out there pointing out to many people, mostly teachers, but any pe- many people with a 403b uh, that their plans probably stink. Um, they're often loaded up with high-fee investments, often annuities. Well, they published a blog post um, with the headline, Annuity Huckster Outbreak. So, they, a teacher forwarded them this email with the subject line, Coronavirus is decimating global stock market. And the first line in the email is, Annuities to the Rescue. So, you are going to find many people, insurance salespeople and others, trying to take advantage of what's going on and trying to sell people investments that are going to supposedly protect their wealth, hold up in a down market, but will also have a lot of fees. So, just be on the watch for that. I would imagine that many of the listeners to this podcast probably won't fall for it. The people you have to watch out for are your family members, especially older folks who are naturally and normally more conservative. As we get older, we are become more vulnerable to financial scams, so keep an eye out on mom and dad and grandma and grandpa. And that's what's up.
0: This episode of Motley Fool Answers is brought to you by LinkedIn. Hiring the right people is one of the best ways to help grow your business, but it shouldn't take time away from your other priorities. With LinkedIn jobs, it doesn't have to. Millions of people use LinkedIn for sharing their professional experience, create networks and research companies, and that's why it's a fantastic platform for finding candidates that are right for your job. We use it here at The Motley Fool because... LinkedIn makes sure our job posts are seen by the people we want to hire, people with the skills, qualifications, and other interests that will help our fast-growing business grow even faster. Woo! Woo! (laughs) Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. Get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com. That's linkedin.com. To get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply.
2: I'm forever yours.
0: Let's start with a stat, shall we? So, a creditcards.com annual financial infidelity poll revealed that 44% of respondents are hiding a checking, savings, or credit card account or are hoarding secret debt from their partner. What?
2: Does that surprise you, guys? No, it actually doesn't surprise me.
0: Well, that (laughs) voice you just heard there is the voice of Dayana Yoakum. She's with Her Money.
2: Uh, Dayana, tell us what Her Money is again. Yep, We're a a women's media company uh, at hermoney.com. We talk about everything from career advancement, entrepreneurship, to Bridging the gender wage gap to retirement planning. So basically, it's financial advice by women, for women, and about women without being pink washed. <laughs> uh, now I, back don't, I don't the, look great in pink. Nah, that's right. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, now, back in the day, though, you wrote a little book oh, along yeah. with uh, someone who's near and dear to my heart.
2: That's right, Robert. <laughs>
0: Run. I was like, I, 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 I did not write this with your husband.
2: Expand. I, yes. 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 <laughs> yes. So it's a Motley Fool's Guide to Couples and Cash. Uh, nice little booklet. I believe it is out of print right now, but.
1: I'm sure it's still available at fine online bookstores everywhere. A cover <laughs> designed by.
2: Oh, Rick. So
0: Rick it? designed the cover and you guys wrote the book, right. to Couples and Cash, a long time right. ago. Isn't that yes. fun?
2: Uh, fun fact: Interviewed a ton of couples yeah. uh, for for the content in there, and I would say a handful of them are no longer together now. Really? Yeah. Oh, Is it that wasn't our you're going to dish afterwards? It, <laughs> it wasn't, you know it was. and they really had I yeah had nothing to do with money. These breakups, <laughs> I swear. <laughs>
0: Well, you are here today to talk about financial infidelity because we noticed a couple surveys recently about financial infidelity, how pervasive it is, and some of the survey results were kind of surprising for us. So let's start off though what is financial infidelity
2: so financial infidelity in, in general it's it's about lying or withholding information so some some examples you mentioned um, having secret credit cards or hidden stashes of money that you don't want your your partner to know about sins of omission uh, like having debts that you don't reveal to your significant other or maybe having bills sent to your office or a PO box so that they don't see what activity is going on lying about your income one way or the other is a is a sign of financial infidelity spending money uh, that the other person doesn't know about and we're talking about spending a, a lot more money than you're letting on and making money decisions that affect the state of the household finances without consulting or talking to it about uh, with your significant other so if you're keeping money secrets that, Affect the state of your household finances and trust within your relationship, you are committing financial infidelity.
0: So, a 2019 TD Bank study found that the most pervasive secrets of financial infidelity were most common, credit card debt, mm-hmm. second, hidden bank accounts, third, a gambling hobby. Well, that's cute that they call it a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and a shopping one, hobby. Four, yeah, right. Four, and then the fourth most common form of infidelity was unpaid student loans. Ah,
2: yeah. interesting. So that's the sin of omission. Yes. Not 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 fessing up how much debt
1: you actually have. I'll point out one that I've come across, especially when I worked with Molly Full Wealth Management, is people who have investment accounts that they haven't told their spouses about because they're investing things that are more aggressive than their spouse would want. So they keep that account on the side, which is so funny to me. <laughs> now
2: we should talk about the difference between financial infidelity and financial independence. Yeah, because having a having your own investment account, you know, it depends. Is that your own money that you've agreed that hey, I'm going to invest this amount in a manner that I'm comfortable with? Um, financial f- financial independence when it is when is when. Partners have decided and agreed on information that they can keep to themselves. So let's say that you can have a set amount of money that you spend every month um, without, you know, that comes out of your own paycheck. And you don't have to tell the other person about every coffee, uh, you know, or your happy hour. Problem or lip gloss problem, whatever. I mean, or even your little gambling hobby, or whatever. your or your gambling hobby. But having financial independence within a relationship is great. Financial infidelity, the lies, not so much.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, a lot of examples I've noticed of um, infidelity, financial infidelity, was I didn't even know he had set up this credit card. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that they had. They were this much in debt. I didn't know they were hiding money from me. Um, and it was these things where they just you just are going to naturally assume that your partner is not hiding things <laughs> right. from you, like you know. And so, and then suddenly maybe the, they accidentally open a letter that they weren't supposed to see, and mm-hmm. and these things come out that way.
2: Yeah, and the and me the, and then the really insidious ones are when when somebody opens a credit card or or racks up debt in the other person's yeah, name. Yeah, really bad. Then. That's nah, That's. Unlawful
0: <laughs> yeah and what, one thing that I thought was also interesting in some of the stories I read because I did go down a reddit hole we'll talk oh, about that later yeah. um, but in a lot of the stories you know they'd say I found out that my spouse had gone gone back into credit card debt had all this credit card debt and for a lot of them it wasn't like oh he spent it on a girlfriend he had on the side or oh it was a gambling addiction it was funny how many of the stories were like no my husband just really liked fast food and mm-hmm. had spent thousands and thousands of dollars on fast food. like, like they'll be like there's no there's no underlying big problem there they're not on drugs they're not right. you know not gambling not drugs not some negative behavior it's just chipping away and then suddenly they find themselves in this massive debt hole that they couldn't talk to their spouse about
2: and that's that's being embarrassed about something absolutely that's, that's yeah. how a lot of these the uh, these issues come up because somebody is embarrassed to admit here's how much debt I have or here's what's really going
1: on. The term financial infidelity is actually relatively recent, and I have to say my first reaction was, um, it's a bit overstated, right? Infidelity is a pretty strong word, um, and maybe you know the person who's buying Big Macs on the sly isn't—it's not quite as bad. Maybe he's <laughs> seeing the girl behind the counter. <laughs> maybe, maybe. That said, so according to one of the more recent surveys from CreditCards.com. So this is what it's from the from the article. Many believe financial cheating is worse than having an affair. Twenty-seven percent of respondents said financial infidelity is worse than physically cheating, and thirty percent said it's about the same. Which I have to say, I'm I I'm not sure I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, So I actually did my own survey.
0: Oh, I saw Uh, it. It made me
2: chuckle yesterday. (laughs) So did you A/B test this? Well, so it's not
1: scientific (laughs) at all. But here at The Fool, we do have a Slack channel called Financial Fitness. So, anyone who joins it, generally speaking, is probably someone who cares about money more than the average bear. So, I just put up a survey I explained. We are going to be talking about financial infidelity. And so, here's my survey. I said, what's worse? Four choices. Number 1, financial infidelity. 2, physical infidelity. 3, they're equally bad. Or 4, they're equally awesome. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, the choices of the 22 people who responded. So, again, not a big si- sample here. Only one said financial infidelity was worse. Nine said physical infidelity was worse. But 11, the majority, did say they're equally bad. And of course, we had one person said they're equally awesome. But, so, I'm, yeah. I am surprised a little bit, because even I, the financial guy, would find my, that an, an actual affair is worse. But there are people who see it just as bad.
0: Yeah, and a lot of the Reddit articles, I mean, it also depends, right? The financial infidelity of Big Macs is not as bad as opening credit cards under your spouse's name. Uh So, um, yeah, I guess it's whatever they thought to find financial infidelity. I'll talk about
1: a, a survey that was published in the Journal of Financial Therapy later, but they had lots of examples of what would be considered. Being dishonest with your spouse, including saying you bought something on sale and it really wasn't on sale. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the biggest responses was spending more on kids than you admit to. Yep. Um, so, a lot of what people do is for good reasons. Yeah. But regardless, it still undermines trust in the relationship.
2: Right, and that's a yes. That's that is the biggie. I um, I had a, a reader who fessed up. Her husband had been supposedly going to work every day. For a year. Oh. Yep. Oh no. You know where this is going? Um, when actually he had lost his job, oh. and he was spending the day at the library. He he was going through the motions, and th- that's a big one. So we're wow. talking about you know the people who think that financial infidelity and physical infidelity are 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 on par with one another. You have to look at how severe is the yeah. is the issue here. Right. Because that it is, you're breaking this this bond of trust, and I think that that's the rabbit hole you go down. If they lie about this, then what else? Yeah. What else is behind the court- right. curtain? Right. How bad
0: is your relationship if you're not able to tell your spouse the truth that you lost your job? Yeah. Ooh. yeah. Ooh. That's rough. Well, let's move on and talk a bit about what are maybe some red flags of financial infidelity, and what are some things uh, to look out for.
1: Right. So there's a, a large collection of, of things that would would raise some concern. So obviously purchases that, are, that show up and you wonder where they came from, um, large ATM withdrawals that aren't accompanied by anything that you knew was being purchased. Um, people being cagey about where you would find financial information, and that can range from making you know, someone who makes sure that they are the first person to the mailbox to make sure that they, get, they are able to filter out things, um, people who don't want you to see the tax return. They want you, to, you know. Just mm-hmm. I, I, did the taxes. Just sign this, or just leave it all to the accountant. Because on the tax return, you'll see um, bank accounts or investment accounts, things like that. Um, if you ever bring up your credit score or credit report, uh, and the person is saying, "Yeah, well, we don't need to check that," or you know, "Or I, I don't have time to check mine," because that will also reveal either a accounts that have been opened or the credit score could reveal they're not as good with their money as they say they are. And if you read real-life stories about financial infidelity, you will come across many instances of someone being with someone who they thought was good with money, and it turns out that they're actually not very good with money. I don't know, if my wife said, I did the taxes, please just sign it and don't look at it, I'd give her a pretty long leash on that one. <laughs> <laughs> and it, and it, you know, a lot of this does cr- cross over to Um, other types of infidelity. So, you know, Red Flag is someone who is very protective about their phone or very protective about their computer. Um, They're hiding something.
0: What's some advice on how couples can stay on the same page financially and be open and upfront and not Try to assume the best.
2: Right, right. Well, uh, it's funny you say assume the best. I I think one of the most important things is don't make assumptions about how the other person feels about money. We all have our own baggage, and if it's if it's not one thing, it's your mother. Mm -hmm. To that, get it. Yeah. Um, But because. All of us, you know, we grow up in different households. Money's handled certain ways. So you can't assume that your partner's okay with debt or that they're as freaked out about it as you are. You really do have to start talking about. This stuff, and and I'm sorry, the emotions behind it. Maybe you weren't taught about savings or spending or allowances, but taught. But having conversations is the first step to sort of opening up this ongoing discussion that you should be having about money and making sure that it's that you're both comfortable talking about it. So those, you know, the embarrassment of the the Big Mac problem. Uh, you could bring that up sooner rather than later.
1: Um, in previous episodes, we've talked about a couple of ways that couples can sort of talk about their money. One was the fully wed game, which is something we wrote many years ago, still available on the internet, but it has some some good questions that are good for people to talk about. How much is amount that I can spend without asking you? How much uh, are we comfortable with having in our bank account before we start to freak out? What are our top three to five goals? So, it's kind of a fun little game. It allows you to prioritize different things, but it's a good way to start the conversation. Another one is the Klontz Money Scripts. Klontz is spelled K-L-O-N-T-Z. We talked about it in an episode in 2016. Basically, it's a way to identify your beliefs about money, often having to do with how you grew up. It does give you sort of a label of what kind of person you are when it comes to your money. In the end, I don't know if the labels is as important as taking the test together and comparing your results.
0: I just Googled Wed game" and wow. this is what came up. It's Dayana on YouTube playing the Wed game with a couple of news anchors. I guess. Do
2: oh, you remember yeah. this at all? Oh wait, show that to me. Again. I think what's that? It's 2007. Was that Fox or that's Fox News? Oh. Google my... that if you <laughs> want to learn
0: more. You can Google Wed game" to find it.
2: And there, there are also apps out there that can help couples. Um, one, one is called Honeyfy, and it allows couples. To set up shared financial goals and track each other's progress, what they're spending and saving, uh, you can choose what to share with your partner on that. So it's kind of a cool thing. It, you know, get a little friendly competition in there. So as you're saving for vacations and uh, down payments on homes and other stuff like that.
1: Uh, it's interestingly, uh, I, I mentioned the study in the Journal of Financial Therapy. It was it's actually 2018 financial infidelity in couple relationships. And it has all kinds of research. And that most people are attracted to financial opposites, so spenders tend to stay with be with savers and vice versa. So it is important to figure these things out. Uh, what they did find though is that financial infidelity is less common in couples that have a budget, and in couples that are more likely to plan, and in couples that talk about money uh, more frequently. So it may not be a comfortable conversation. I think one of the issues, one of the reasons why people hide things about money is because the conversations may not be easy, possibly because you are financial opposites. But the bottom line is it's still better to do it. And if you can't do it on your own, get professional help with it, whether it's a financial therapist or a financial planner who has some people skills in terms of managing the different goals between two people.
2: You know what else is better between couples who talk about money regularly?
1: I'm curious. Bow
2: bow bow.
0: Yep, we call it special hugs here on the <laughs> <Special> show, <Diana. laughs> uh,
2: Research from uh, from Honeyfi actually uh, points to the fact that couples that talk about their financial goals at least once a month are 57% more likely to report having a great sex life well, there than you those go. who don't.
1: <laughs> yep. Well, Just saying. I, I, and I have another one for you. Uh, <laughs> this is from Washington Post article in 2016 by Rodney Brooks. According to TD Bank's second annual Love and Money Survey, and of course by now they have more than second annual, but couples of all ages are happier when they talk about money. 78% of couples who talk weekly about money say they're happy as opposed to 60%. Who talk every few months, and 50% who talk less frequently. It's just good for your relationship to talk about these things. Between the sheets. <laughs> the spreadsheets.
0: <laughs> All right, let's bring up the therapist couch because, as I said, I hopped onto the old Reddit and oh boy. went down the Reddit hole, and I found some real life stories of people sharing um, of it financial infidelity in their life. And so I'm going to read their stories. They were requesting help, and we'll see what your advice would be for them. Okay. Keep in mind that 9 times out of 10, the resounding advice on Reddit is get a divorce. So, we'll see we'll see what you guys say. If you have a more nuanced response. All right. First story. Is divorce the only real choice for financial infidelity? Here we go. We just bought our first house. We have kids. We used to do the separate finances thing where we both paid for set expenses. Then she tried taking out a payday loan without telling me. I saw this as a big deal, but we worked through it. Two years passed. Then there's another big incident of her lying to me about money. I won't go into the details, but involved a lot of lies and deception. I told her I would either take over the finances or file for divorce. At that time, I offered total amnesty for any other financial skeletons that needed to come out of the closet, and she said there was nothing else. Everything is in my name now. Another year has passed, and I thought things were getting better. They weren't. She's opened up credit cards without telling me, and there are other accounts in collection that I don't know about. The extra debt is not financially ruinous, but it'll take years, not months, to pay off, and it will impact our children negatively. I know for a fact where the money is going, which is not an entirely separate deal breaker like drugs or a boyfriend." Seems like my choices are to work through it for the third time and live an uncertain future or divorce. My question's for all of you. Do I have a legal option to get my wife to stop applying for predatory credit? If not, and if I stay with my wife, and there are more debts in the future that I don't know about and don't get paid, can creditors take our home? What about the kids 529, my 401 k, etc.?
1: Well, so there are some legal questions there. That
0: they only get worse, by the way, so <laughs> buckle up. Okay. <laughs>
1: Uh, so that I don't want to address them too much. And every state is different. Like, if you're in a community property state or not, that is a big deal. Um, You can't legally prevent your wife from doing anything that she wants. She could agree to freezing her credit and you know that's one thing people do to prevent any fraud or anything like that—they freeze their credit and then they unfreeze it when they want to apply for something. She could agree to freeze her credit, but then she can just go around and unfreeze it later. But then, to me, that's you're you're setting up certain things that if she just keeps knocking them down, then maybe divorce is the answer. And it, and it could be divorce is the answer, but you still are functionally married, but you are legally separated so that you are not responsible for anything that she does. Generally speaking, retirement accounts like four hundred and one KS and IRAs are protected for those things, but. I would still just keep things as separate as possible.
2: And I think that the fact that this is an ongoing repeat issue is a good sign that there's something else going on here, that it's not just about the money. And uh, you've got to get to the root of the problem here. And this is a situation where regular couples therapy might help but financial therapy in particular to see what's going on um, and a financial therapist is someone who can address both the financial the money side and the psychological issues um, they can act as a neutral third party and help you guys work through it and come up with some uh, you know some some rules um, to put around this and again, open up and talk about what is the underlying issue here. Right. There's an addiction or something. Yeah, and there's, there's something
1: more here than Big Macs. Yep.
0: Alright, next one. Up to about six months ago, I was a stay-at-home wife with no kids. I thought we were fine financially. However, about six months ago, he told me that we were blowing through money and he only had $500 in his account. The overspending is both of our faults. Most money was being spent on dates and dinners, some of it spent on car repairs. I got a job immediately. However, a week after getting my paycheck, I noticed that all the money was almost gone. No problem, I thought. That means we spent less of his money. I asked him, and that turned out to not be the case. We had just spent twice as much money. He started grabbing expensive coffee for breakfast and had a couple luxury items. I did not want to go on at this rate and got an idea. I would take out half my paycheck in cash and store it upstairs in my closet from now on. I would not touch this. I would not tell anyone because the less people that are tempted to get into our secret savings, the better." In the months to come, I spent all of the money I didn't store in cash, paying for groceries and other necessities. His money was still draining away, but I was less concerned now. Anyway, yesterday he told me he couldn't move out this summer. They were planning a move, by the way. I think I left that out. Because he was still broke and they had pissed away our money. I got the savings box from upstairs and showed it to him, thinking that he'd be relieved. It had nearly $6,000 in it, enough for plane tickets and a deposit for a new place. However, he got angry and told me it was ridiculous that I was secretly saving up while we were spending his money freely and that I'd used him. I told him that the savings are his as much as they are mine and that they are for us to start a new life together. He was still very angry and wouldn't hear what I had to say. I offered that we go see a financial counselor to help us save up from both of our paychecks and budget more so that we both saved money, but he said no and he's now not talking to me. I did apologize, of course, but it didn't help. What should I do?"
1: Ooh, good <laughs> well, so one, huh? uh, secretly
0: yeah. saving money, right?
1: So uh, obviously, trust and transparency and honesty are important in a relationship. I give her a lot of credit personally um, because they are in a better position than if she did not do that. I think the thing for her to her to recognize, and, and he has to recognize as well, is that. Money isn't is never really just about money. It's about other things. It's about control. It's about power, especially when you have um, two people in a relationship and one person is responsible for earning the money and the other person isn't. Um, different power dynamic there. So I think it is important for everyone in that situation to understand that um, something's going on there. They can't get their act together, and it has something. It has nothing to do with money. But I, in my opinion, she did. She did something. She. In my opinion, that was just smart to do. <laughs> I don't. <blame laughs> You're on her side. I don't. I don't blame her
2: for doing what she yep. did. I'm gonna let Reddit decide on this one.
1: <laughs> All
0: right, we can move on to the next one. Uh, My boyfriend said he would hide money from me when we're married. We're currently 100% open about money to the point where I have full access to his bank account because he needs help budgeting. He tells me when he makes every paycheck and we sit down and do the math every two weeks to figure out what can go into his savings and what bills need to be paid, etc. I do the same and we discuss the money needs to be saved for my paychecks too and what we can afford and put into savings. He didn't grow up in a household where he was taught to be responsible with money. His mom loves to shop and I've been teaching him skills and his dad is very anti-women because of his mom spends so much money. I don't think this is actually him talking. I think his dad is sowing seeds, but I don't actually know."
2: Okay, Can you please read the first line of that again?
0: My boyfriend said he would hide fr- money from me when we're married.
2: Okay, give back the ring. <laughs> this is just the beginning of a sl- the slow motion breakup montage. Uh, no, starting from this place of mistrust is a recipe for disaster. Um, but if we're being really generous here, maybe this is a case uh, where the couple should keep their financial lives separate.
1: Yeah, and this does demonstrate something that it, it, I think everyone knows that we get our money attitudes and behaviors from our parents. Uh-huh. What we saw, and and so someone who grew up in a situation where. Um, you know, they did have a. You know, they saw one spouse, one one parent being a spendthrift, the other parent trying to be responsible. It causes nothing but tension. Um, you could see someone they're like I need to protect this for the good of our relationship because my parents didn't do this and they were miserable. So, I don't think hiding money is ever a good idea. Agreeing that you each have separate money, I think is fine. Uh-huh.
0: For the past two years, I've been hiding around 8000 in credit card debt from my husband. It's been solely in my name and has not affected his credit. When I graduated college six years ago, he supported me for two and a half months and paid for everything. I started my job making about $28,000. i have been promoted multiple times to now making 78000 I have a plan to pay off this debt in about eight months, but ultimately the guilt and stress is killing me. I've already paid off about 3900 of it in the past four months. I realize that I no longer could handle the debt and I want to be free of it. So His salary has saved consistently about 45000 but he's always worried about money and is more of a frugal person than I am, obviously. He also has a tendency to make comments about money like, when I paid for your car, or, when I paid all the bills. I love him tremendously, but he is very focused on comparing what we have done for each other and making rude comments about the way I handle money. How can I tell him without it causing serious damage to our relationship?" Again, that she, eight, he or she has 8000 in debt and wants to share it with their partner, the information.
2: I think it's great that uh, this person wants to come clean. and I, th- I think the rule here is be honest about it, but take time beforehand to reflect on what motivated? Like, what? Where did? How, how did this happen? And to show that I understand the circumstances here and am making moves to make sure it doesn't happen again. So you have obviously, you know, made a good faith effort. She's paying down the debt already. That's all great stuff.
1: Yeah, uh, <clears throat> one of the people who wrote the study that was in the Journal of Financial Therapy, Michelle Jeanfro. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, but she had a method that she labels the SAFE method, so I'll just read it. S is for speaking the truth or coming clean about financial infidelity. That's always the best thing to do. Um, The A is for agreeing to a plan, which involves setting up a budget. Three, following that agreement and regularly reviewing it. And I think this is interesting. I asked my wife, who's a mental health therapist, um, is it good for if someone's in the situation where one spouse to be able to check on the spouse who was, I guess, what are we calling that? Unfaithful? The, <laughs> the perp. Dishonest, the perp, yes. <laughs> like saying, like, listen, okay, you did this, we're gonna work through it, but I get to review your bank account, I get to review your computer, I get to stay on top of our credit score and our credit, card. I get to basically check up on you. And my wife agreed that that's the thing. I mean, you have to resta- establish that trust. And so the, that person, this woman who has the debt, should be open to the fact that the husband might wanna check up on things for a while mm-hmm. and make sure. And then the E is having an emergency plan, which usually includes seeking help from therapists and financial Mm -hmm. advisors. Um, When I was uh, a teacher, uh, I had a friend getting married, and I asked one of my teaching colleagues who had been married for a very long time, what advice do you give to people who are married? Um, And she said, let go of the past. And that's what this husband needs to do, Mm -hmm. and stop bringing up things that he paid for in the past. And at some point, he's going to have to let this go, too, once they get over it. It's going to be tough, but at some point you have to move on.
0: So, talking about straight-up infidelity, infidelity, if you were in a situation where you're like, I was unfaithful in the past, it's over now, I cheated on my spouse, but I still feel like I need to come clean, sometimes the advice is, no, it was in the past, you're just going to put undue hurt and stress on your significant other. So why is this different?
1: Well, she still has the debt. Right? I do know, but she
0: has a plan to take care of it. It'd be like, no, I'm never going to see them again. I'm done. It's done. It's over. Should I still come clean to my spouse? That's a really good question. It is a good
1: question. I will say, reading through the stories uh, of f- financial infidelity, including when I went to the the uh, the
0: conference for financial cheaters, So it was anonymous, anonymous. <laughs>
1: so <it's> the financial <laughs> therapy conference in May in Austin. Uh, one of the classes was taught was taught by a guy named Ed Combs, who has his own story of. Of financial infidelity and it made it onto NPR and he had actually now that I think about it I think it was eight thousand dollars in debt and the thing was he had this he said I'm just, he kept it secret for so long because he kept saying I'm going to pay it off eventually I'm going to pay it off eventually and it didn't happen so if she really has a plan to pay it off and and can really wipe it clean and it's not going to affect their credit score and show up later uh, maybe and it's never going to happen again maybe. But the thing is a lot of people, a lot of people have intentions of saying, I'm gonna pay this off, or this is the last time I'm gonna go shopping, or after this, I'm never gonna gamble again, and it just doesn't happen.
0: All right, here's the last question. And this was just interesting, and so it's not necessarily infidelity. you'll see it. All right. <laughs> I've been on this fire journey since I was 18. So again, financial independence, retire early. I've done pretty well for myself so far, and I'm on track to retire by 40. Isn't that awesome? Well, my mom was in town the other day, and while I was at work, I let her chill at my apartment before an appointment she had. That morning, I was working on some papers for a visa application for the application I had to account for my current incomes and assets and also include copies of my account statements. Those papers were on my desk in my bedroom in plain sight. I didn't think about it until she called me yesterday and flat out told me that she saw the papers on my desk. Then she started crying and told me in very clear terms that she, terms that she expected help. She then laid out in detail all the financial problems that she and the rest of my family were having. I honestly didn't know what to do or say, so I just hung up. Yes, because I'm socially inept, I can't handle confrontation like that, I hung up and ignored the next four or five calls and texts she sent. I also ignored the calls from my sibling and aunt. So, I'm thinking that she talked to the rest of my family about this and told them that I am now ignoring her. $525,000 525000 is basically an unlimited amount of money from her perspective, and my family thought that I was just as poor as they are. So, I get it. I don't know what to do now. I don't plan on ignoring my family forever, and I can't talk to any of my friends about this, so what would you do? I feel like I've become the family bank account, and everyone is going to constantly ask for a bailout." Wow.
1: Man, that's a tough one. Is that a good one? <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Is, first of all, good for you. Yes. Yeah. That's
2: great, right? Secondly, change your identity. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, that person might want to put a credit freeze on all all their financial paperwork without. Um, Wow. Yeah, it's a
1: tough one. I so I mean for me, if this if I were in this position, I'd have much more troubles not helping out my mom as opposed to the other family members. Mm -hmm. Other family members, sort of, you're on your own. Depends. It depends on the situation, right? But, uh, but I would I would. Put a hard no on on most things because it's just one of those things. If you say yes to one person, or just give a little bit, it's never it's never gonna stop.
2: I agree.
0: Do you have any advice?
2: I just keep making this face with all these just questions. Just keep hanging. Just don't it. answer the phone. Just, ever <laughs> no, I th- I think that that is. I I agree. You know your your mom, man. Right. Um. But also looking at what's the financial help that she's asking for? Um, $500,000 for this person. Do they say how old they are now? Uh,
0: No, I mean somewhere between 18 and 40. Yeah, yeah. They said chill at my apartment, so I'm assuming they're in their 20s or 30s.
2: Yeah, (laughs) that's their nest egg. They worked hard for it to save it. Um,
0: uh, (sighs) Yeah, so Reddit's advice (laughs) here uh, was that with all these I mean if you want to help your mom you can help your mom but for your siblings and other people like that is say I'm not going to give you money but we'll sit down and I'll go through your finances right. with you and I will help you. Yeah. And if they aren't willing to make that effort, yeah, then why would you help them financially if I wish not even I said that, that. cuz that's right? a really that good, good advice.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go Reddit. That's why we go to Reddit. It yeah.
1: actually does remind me of one of my professors when I was getting my certificate in financial therapy. Um, talked about how she had this problem because she came from a relatively poor background. She goes to college, gets a PhD, is a fairly recognized professor in her field, um, and there's a lot of resentment from the people she left behind in the in the farmland of Kansas. Um, and oh, you you work on financial therapy. You must have a lot of money, which means you should help me. Um, so it's it's probably a pretty common problem.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. How about a final piece of advice for our friends out there? Uh,
1: I've talked about on a on the show previously about a study that found that in most couples, someone emerges to be the financial family CFO, basically handles most of the money and the other person doesn't. And the person who gets that role isn't necessarily the person who's the most knowledgeable money, is the person who has the time and the inclination to do it. But then, as years goes on, the person who's not doing it, they have a drop-off in their financial literacy. The lesson here is that, generally speaking, with most couples, money should be a joint project even if one person is generally paying the bills or something like that, it shouldn't be all left to one person. It's too much pressure, it's too much responsibility. And I think the evidence is pretty clear that couples that regularly work on and discuss their finances together will be much happier.
0: Diana, thank you for joining us. Where can they get more, Diana? Yeah. Aside from Fox News 2007 <laughs> clips that are posted.
2: <laughs> uh, come to hermoney.com uh, or if you'd like some more from us, text hermoney one word to 888 All right,
0: that's the show. It's edited faithfully by Rick Engdahl. You gotta Our- sing it. Oh. Faithfully. Is that close That's just enough. That's good. By Rick Angdahl. Our, our email is answers at fool.com. For Robert Brokamp and Dayana Yoakam, I'm Allison Southwick. Stay foolish, everybody.